The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Spotify for podcasters. Hi, friends. This is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. Spotify for podcasters is now available for use by anyone out there who's interested in producing, monetizing, and distributing their podcast. You can have access to some of the best tools in the industry using Spotify for podcasters. Go to podcasters.spotify.com for more details. Chemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, we're going to discuss the magic within the silence. We'll be reading tonight from a textbook from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. It's called Kabbalah, Magic, and the Great Work of Self-Transformation, a complete course written by one Mr. Liam Thomas Christopher. As I said, this is a publication from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And we're going to see what it is that they teach and what they think and they believe about the nature of magic, what it is, how you can learn various aspects of it and how it relates to the overall initiation into their secret order, as it were. Not really so secret. I mean, it's, it's a well-known commodity. People have heard of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn much like the Freemasons, but it does qualify as a secret society because it does teach you secrets within the walls of its lodge or the building in which it holds its meetings. So that being the case, it qualifies as a secret society and it does carry forward many of the mystery school teachings of antiquity brought forward into the modern era. So very much like the Freemasons in that regard. But they focus a little more on the occult and upon a system of magic, as it were. So they're all about actually making a real effect in this world through the use of occult or esoteric principles. More so, it would seem, than organizations like the Freemasons, that largely seems to be a political front for the secret schools. That's just my estimation, the best description I could come up with. It's the power base. It's the broad power base with which they get things done. The Freemasons. This is the... This is the conduit through which they select members for higher teachings. Let's put it that way. 
So everybody goes through the Masonic organization. Well, not everybody. I shouldn't say everybody, but they go through a similar initiation process to that of the Masons. And the Masons largely is the recruiting ground for many of these other secret society groups. So we have a lot of crossover in the beliefs of these various groups. And everybody's more familiar with Freemasons, so that's why I bring that up. But we'll see as we get into the reading here what it is that the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn thinks about magic, the nature of what it is, how it could be utilized, and how they train people in its use and the importance of their initiatory rites in the process here. And of course, they always make claims that can never really be fully proved. And like I always caution you, take it with a grain of salt because can't be really proven nor disproven. You just have to take their word for it. So, with that being the case, it's important to look at some of the things they teach because you will find nuggets of good wisdom in with this stuff and good foundational basics for the operations of many of the forces that operate invisibly in this world that we don't see, the spiritual forces. It gives you a good description, an apt description thereof. So it is important that we look at these teachings and understand some of what's being conveyed because there is good meat to be had in there. But with, like always, with anything else, with all of this stuff, there's always that little bit of poison that we have to be weary of. So I do my best to try to discern between the two, and I won't tell you what to think or believe. You could use your own discernment, but I will certainly give you my opinion. And you could take my opinion however you see fit. If you agree, that's great. If you don't agree, that's also great. And maybe we could learn something from one another in that way. That's one of the beautiful portions of life. If everybody agreed about everything all the time, it would be pretty boring and nobody would learn anything, right? So it's okay to disagree with people. We don't have to be mean or nasty about it or anything of the sort. There's a lot of people with a lot of different beliefs that tune into these types of programs here. So there's room for all of that. And although some things may not be agreed upon, there's still always room for mutual respect. I could respect somebody's beliefs and still disagree with them. And likewise, I don't expect that everybody thinks I'm always right, because I'm certainly not. I'll be the first to tell you that. But I do bring a little bit of discernment and experience to the table when it comes to reading through this type of material, because I've poured through countless hours and hours of their various books. And I think just based upon all the different teachings through the secret schools, all the different denominations thereof, there's core themes that run in all of them. And it's the same teachings. I tell you that over and over again, just with slightly different language or slightly different context to it. It's all the same stuff, all derived from the ancient mystery schools, and if we trace it back far enough, we can see where some of the distortions have been made. And that's what I attempt to do here, and I hope that uh, doing this brings some value to you, because there's value to be found in any writing. So it's important 
to try to derive the value from it and be able to discern what's good and what's not good within it. It's information, it's neutral. So it's important that we have this information, and even at the very least, if you think that this stuff is total, utter nonsense, understand that there are people in positions of power in this world, and I can't emphasize this enough, that very much do believe in this stuff, and the things they do to act upon their beliefs will affect all of us. So it's important to understand what their motivations are, why they do the things they do, and how they do the things they do, the tools they use to get it done. And it's all found in these secret society groups, all under hidden names, different guises, but at the topmost level of all the secret society groups, there's this interlocked inner circle that would constitute what we would call in the modern era the Illuminati, and we've heard that term bantied about it's a true organization. It really exists. It goes by different names at times. But this is the inner circle within the inner circle that really directs things from the top down. And this is wherein many of the distortions of the teachings derive and have come forward through the years. And we get what we get in some of their books, and we could point out some of the fallacies and some of the doublespeak within them. Because they do like to teach in paradoxes and use dichotomies to present points. And this is done for various reasons, as we've discussed previously on some of these programs. It's a form of gaslighting for their lower-level members. They don't know whether they're coming or going. They think that the big secret is just slightly out of their grasp of understanding just yet. Because they are taught in this way where they're taught in paradoxical ways of thinking. That there's two possible opposite truths to one specific thing. And they don't know which way to go, so they have to be led around by the nose by their teacher within the organization to find the true meaning, <laughs> or so they'll claim. And they keep people in this state of confusion, ever seeking the next big secret, and they string them along through the organization that way. They've been known and documented by themselves to lie to their lower-level members to lead them down a path that they know is fraudulent in many regards, teaching them fraudulent teachings, things they know to be untrue at the highest most levels, but they teach them nonetheless to keep them marching towards this ultimate goal, this carrot they dangle of power and knowledge, to come to this knowledge, this wisdom, you have to be just good enough. And if you are just good enough, then maybe you can make practice of some of these things and gain these magical powers. And this is what they claim and they teach within some of these organizations. So this one that we're looking at tonight, this comes from, as I said, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. They have their own magical system that they put together based upon various other magical systems that were put together by others in the past and they've tweaked them to their own liking and this is what they use today and this is what they teach in that group today so without further ado let's get into it here magic 
It has been with us since the birth of civilization. But what is it, and how does one become a magician? This book is dedicated to the student of life who stands at a crossroads, at the place where two paths meet. One path is mundane and well-worn, and the other is the way of magic. Magic is the art of transformation, of altering consciousness and experiencing the life changes that result. It is a science of empowerment, of using word, image, and gesture to reach into the darkness and set free the imprisoned faculties of the soul. For this reason, its power is forbidden. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So forbidden that they teach it regularly within the Golden Dawn. So keep that in mind. Understand they're saying magic is the art of transformation, of altering consciousness, and experiencing the life changes that result. So it's all about changing your consciousness, changing your mind the way you think. Mind control, folks. If you want to get technical about it, it's all about changing the way you think, controlling your mind and the minds of others, transforming yourself, the art of transformation, also transforming others. And they say so. They, it's implied here. It, it's not just for the self. That's what they'll teach you and they'll tell you early on. It's about changing yourself from the inside out, the transformation of the self, and that's part of it, I'm sure. But in the next sentence here, they tell you, they imply, in no uncertain terms, that it could also be used to affect and change others. Because it says it's a science of empowerment, of using word, image, and gesture to reach into the darkness and set free the imprisoned faculties of the soul. Not just your soul, but the souls of others. You see? And then they say, for this reason, its power is forbidden. Let's continue reading. A person may sit quietly sometimes and marvel at the irony of his life. He participates in a booming materialistic culture that stifles his spiritual needs for the sake of its progress. Despite the grandeur of technology, the modern progressive world restrains the individual from exploring the depth and breadth of his own soul. His parents and teachers have cautioned him to stay safely in the norm, to be successful, become rich, and start a family. It is disreputable for him to strive for anything outside of those lines. But it can't be helped that there is the occasional quiet moment, between phone calls perhaps or after a movie, when he feels a different possibility. Sometimes it takes the form of a soothing calm, Sometimes a radical curiosity, and sometimes it becomes a nagging doubt. A silent voice asks, Is this all I was made for? Why is the life I am expected to live not enough? We have been deceived. The purpose that Western society has created for the individual is a sham mesmerized by a mirage of happiness that hovers around material possessions, we reach for creature comforts that inevitably comfort us less and less. We are addicted to the pursuit of prosperity, craving more and trying harder, even though our lifestyle of ravenous consumption does damage to the earth and leads us away from the very contentedness that we pursue. 
So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. The author here is absolutely correct about this. I will attest to that. It seems we do live in this hyper-materialistic culture, and we are conditioned to seek this normative life, as it were, to pursue riches and wealth and all of these things. Material things, material comforts, which are fleeting, and they don't ever fully satisfy. You'll notice that most very wealthy people are concerned always with acquiring more wealth and maintaining their wealth and their status. It becomes an obsession for them, and it doesn't ever result in fulfillment, if that is your primary motivating force. So he's not incorrect in what he's saying here. But let's see what he has to say next here. Let's continue on. By conventional thinking, the material circumstances of Western life have been getting better by leaps and bounds. Adjusting for inflation, the average American income in the year 2000 had doubled since 1960. Leisure time had risen by five hours per week in the same period, and it continues to rise. In 1900, the average American lifespan was 41 years. Today, it is 77. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. I don't think that's accurate, that in 1900, the average American lifespan was 41 years. This is more of the historical nonsense that we face on a regular basis that we're handed about history. That the average lifespan in 1900 was 41 years. I don't think that's true. I don't see evidence to support that. In fact, I think we're in an era where our lifespan has actually been diminished from where it was two generations past. One to two generations past, we're on a decline as far as lifespan goes now. And if you go back, many people lived good, long, healthy lives. At least that's my experience I've had. I have relatives. My mother's great-great-aunt lived to be 103. Her older sister lived to be 106. She was born in 1893. Died in the 1990s. So, and I remember, and she was sharp right up till the end. Healthy. So I don't think that that's true, because this is a known thing. This happened a lot with that generation, the generation that's sometimes called the greatest generation, World War II veterans. Many of them lived long lives. A lot of octogenarians out of that generation. So I think this is an incorrect fact, but it is something that you'll be told by the mainline historical textbooks and such. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that, but... Uh, 41 years of age was the average lifespan in 1900. Doesn't sound right to me, but this is kind of how we get indoctrinated with things. And we believe that we have it so much better now if you believe the numbers they've handed you. And what do we know about history? Well, we, we know one thing. We see history unfolding around us every day. And what gets recorded in the record books is different from the reality of how everything came about. 
so no doubt that's happened in the past. If you think fake news is bad, wait till you find out about fake history. And this falls into that category, this this factoid he's giving here. But not to take away from the text here, let's get back to the reading. Just a little side note I had to make. Because things like that really irk me when they're, when they're not precise about this stuff and they think they're giving you good historical facts and there's really no evidence to support that. Really no evidence to support that, at least not in my personal viewpoint and they don't have the documentation like they do now of the census like they did, like they do now back then in 1900. So they didn't have accurate information to go from. So... It's total guesswork at best, in my estimation. But let's continue on. So he says, A century ago, rich men were distinguished by the fact that they lived in heated houses, enjoyed unlimited food and wine, and had access to a physician, earned a college degree, and attended the theater for entertainment. Sound familiar? Today, supermarkets overflow with an abundance of food so affordable that even the poor suffer of an epidemic of obesity. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So this book is slightly dated now. <laughs> Apparently not taking into account the events of the past couple of years here, but uh, still not completely wrong. We do have much as far as excess in our society in this regard. Let's continue on, though. Waitresses take holidays together on luxurious pleasure cruises. Children of dock workers receive college educations. We live in conditions far superior to those of the aristocrats of the 19th century. But despite this golden age of conveniences, surveys measuring the average human's happiness have shown no improvement. In fact, depression is on the rise, and the number of those people who would describe themselves as very happy has been decreasing steadily since 1940. Prosperity in modern times is becoming easier and easier, and yet simultaneously this easy living sucks the challenge out of life, the vitality. But this is not a book about returning to the magic of the Middle Ages for adventure. Not exactly. Consider instead the following assessment. Even as human progress is taking away the difficulties of staying alive, we are thereby gaining more freedom to pursue the even greater challenges of a different landscape in a different realm of our existence, one that has always been there. Our lives as animals are presenting fewer and fewer obstacles to overcome. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. Notice he calls us animals. Our lives as animals are presenting fewer and fewer obstacles to overcome. He's referring, of course, to the physical body, the material body, the lower ego, the lesser ego, the animal self, the animal nature in man. This is something that's always talked about within these mystery school teachings, the higher self and the lower self. So that's what he's referring to. But let's continue on, and we'll see in the next sentence what it's all about, and I think we've hit upon this point numerous times by now. A new kind of evolution is surfacing. The life of the individual stepping into the frontier of his own soul and exploring the confines of his interior psychological and spiritual vehicles the discipline of magic has never been easier than it is today. 
So I'm going to pause for a moment, folks. Evolution. These people are obsessed with what they call evolution. Spiritual evolution. And they've brought it and stepped it down into the material realm with the works of Charles Darwin who presented it in a physical material world form and it's been largely adopted by our modern science even with very little if no proof or evidence of its factuality it's accepted as fact now and that's all part of the mind warp going on here they need us to accept the idea of evolution in the material world as it were and just as a side note you might not have known this Charles Darwin, his work is mostly lifted from his grandfather, Erasmus Darwin. You probably didn't know that. That's not something they teach you in the history classes. Erasmus Darwin, a member in good standing of some of the occult fraternities, had a lot of ideas which Charles Darwin went ahead and took and applied to his own his own observations and presented it in the form that he did in a book presenting a justification for eugenics ideas which his cousin Sir Francis Galton came up with based upon his teachings about evolution it's all there. They were all connected with the Royal Society. They were all connected with these occult fraternities. And it all derives directly from these teachings about evolution within the occult fraternities. But it's been twisted and turned on its head from the concept of the spiritual evolution. And it all has to do with race. Always has to do with race with these people. And we've discussed this before, and that's what Darwin's book that became famous on the origin of species, if you look up the subtitle, I'll leave that to you to go ahead, talks about preferred races in the subtitle. And you could get the context just based upon the subtitle of Darwin's famous book that was a groundbreaking scientific breakthrough or so it's claimed, this is why it's been adopted, because it utilizes these ideas of race. Much like the secret schools, they put an emphasis on these different root races, as they call them. And it all has to do with the spiritual evolution of man in the old mystery teachings. And they claim some races are further evolved than others. This is not me saying this. This is all, this could all be confirmed. Just grab some Rosicrucian book. I'll give you a perfect one. The Rosicrucian Cosmo Conception. Go look in that one. Read the whole thing cover to cover. You'll be shocked at what's in there. You'll be shocked. But anyway, not to get too side-trailed with that stuff, let's continue on here. And who could blame the average person for failing to see this possibility when the incarnated human wakes up wounded and human 
on the beach of life, he finds that he has been given a gift for which he has misplaced the instructions. Getting comfortable as quickly as possible, mimicking his fellow castaways, trustingly assimilating the instructions and traditions that his elders pass down, he learns to forget that he has lost anything at all. Survival is an urgent business, after all. What could possibly come before that? The culture into which the individual is born, helpless and vulnerable, rescues him from certain death by teaching him a patchwork, haphazard survival manual, fabricated from mankind's traumatic evolutionary past. And so the individual grows up infused with beliefs that keep him alive, but that nonetheless have no basis in his true identity. He learns to fit into his culture and to dutifully ignore his desire to find himself. And why not, after all? Disregarding the lessons of his elders may endanger his very life. But what if the silence between commercials begins to whisper? What if he came to realize that his bosses, parents, and teachers, despite their prestige, know nothing? What if he discovers that his culture's entrepreneurs, politicians, scientists, and leaders are actors and not very good ones who are just as lost? Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. Couple of distinct truths being revealed right now, isn't it? What if he discovers that his culture's entrepreneurs, politicians, scientists, and leaders are actors? And not very good ones, who are just as lost as they are. See, this is something, just as a brief pause here, this is something that I've struggled with in coming of age. Is understanding that when I was young, all these adults and stuff that I looked to for direction and guidance, they had no more of a clue about anything than myself. And when I came to this realization... It kind of hit me hard. It's like all these people, they walk through life pretending like they know what they're doing. And they don't have a friggin' clue any better than you and I do. It's, it's, it's pretend. It's walking around pretending like you know what you're doing and you got it all together. I don't know anybody who has it all together. There's really no such thing as somebody who's got it all together. We do what we have to to get by. And sometimes we learn from our experiences, and we can help others who haven't had those experiences, who are beginning to experience some of the same things, but that's about the extent of it. There's no instruction manual for life, but these people will tell you they have the instruction manual that will invariably lead you to initiation and illumination and these grandiose magical mystical powers. And guess what? these people in these secret society groups, they also fall into this category. They don't have a frickin' clue either. That's the whole point here. They pretend like they know and lead others along because they've found at the topmost levels here of these power structures of these different secret societies and, and this kind of thing, they found that by pretending they know what they're talking about or what they're doing, they could lead other people around by the nose and get them to do what they want them to do. It's about controlling others, and that's the bottom line with a lot of this stuff. 
whether there's any merits to some of the spiritual things or the mystical connotations they give stuff, it's irrelevant. Maybe there is some truth to it. I really think there is some truth to some of the things they teach. But at the end of the day, they're not really interested in acquiring that, per se. They're more interested in acquiring power over others. That's why most people seek these types of arts. Because they want more power and control, not only over their own lives, but over others who could make their lives easier, you see. And that's why they seek out these teachings of magic and whatnot. And these people in these secret society groups that are trying to teach you this are just as lost. This guy that wrote this textbook is just as lost, although he will think he knows a little something more. And isn't that the way with all the so-called so so experts on various things? They might know a little bit more about something. But when it comes down to brass tacks, they're just as clueless as you as to practical application of anything they know. It's one thing to know theoretical concepts. It's another thing to put them into practice. Like, I understand some basic electrical theoretical concepts, but I'm no electrician, and I wouldn't want to have to wire my house. It's the same thing here. Okay? They may understand some theoretical concepts, and some of them attempt to put it into practice in some of these occult organizations, and it doesn't end well for them. Because something's missing, something's been misconstrued, something's been contorted and distorted and inverted through the years. And it usually ends pretty badly for anybody that attempts these things that they talk about, putting it into practice in a real way. But uh, let's... Let's go ahead and continue reading. I think I got sidetracked again here. What if they are on the same beach, having assimilated their culture, just as he did, beguiling themselves into the notion that it reflects their real purpose? We are each of us wounded by mortality, and our role models have come to our rescue by putting a bandage on a hurt that will never heal. The average human, underneath a veneer of confidence, is still a terrified castaway, severed from his true nature, clinging to the first paradigm that comes along to give him a modicum of security. The proud father hands over the traditions of his prosperous forefathers as though he were passing along the Holy Grail, and yet he knows nothing. He receives his instructions from his forefathers, who know nothing, they receive their traditions from the same nothing, and so it goes on and on, until the mind is left staring into an abyss of nothing, the foundation on which it has built its sense of self. The chain of ignorance seems to go back into prehistory, to a primordial beach and that clueless castaway. At some point in evolution... Through some divine accident, the human race bumped its head and lost its inherent purpose. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. Through some divine accident. And do you see why the scientific paradigm of today pushes the idea that we are just an accident? All this came about accidentally. 
because one day, 20 billion years ago, nothing exploded and somehow miraculously became everything through some type of scientific explanation thereof. That, uh, you know, all the stardust and stuff collected together and formed a rock. And then, you know, it rained on the rock and primordial ooze came forth and we all developed from single-celled organisms and it evolved in the way we did here, all strictly by accident. And we're on this spinning rock flying through space at half a million miles an hour. Why do you think they push this type of idea? Well, here it is right there. They're telling you what they think. At some point in evolution, through some divine accident, the human race bumped its head and lost its inherent purpose. You see how one alludes to the other here. Now, they're saying we've lost our purpose, our sense of purpose, but they also infer that we are an accident in this very same sentence. Let's continue on. And since that fall from grace, it has been faking it, using strategies for living that do little more than help it maintain its numbers in successful but nonetheless unfulfilling ways. A person can spend all his life learning the ropes of making a living, fending off danger, fitting in and climbing the social ladder, all the while neglecting the task at hand, the task that sits right before the nose of every human on the planet. There is nothing of this world that can satisfy the new kind of hunger that rises in someone who, like a seed in the earth, is ready to grow beyond his material conditioning. The job promotion, the blockbuster movie, the dream vacation, the perfect spouse, all of these fall short of satiating the longing that drives the soul to worm its way upward through the trappings of life into the open air of awakening. For such a soul who realizes that there is nowhere to hide, no security blanket that will soothe him for long, it is inevitable that the comfort of the norm becomes a prison house of agony. He has remembered that he is still that castaway on the beach. He is pressured from within to transcend this world and regain his lost knowledge. Though his fellow castaways may pass him by, proceeding on into the lives of money and glamour, he himself stays behind to explore the gaping silence that is forever embedded in the here and now. Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. So much of what this guy is describing here, it's about the journey of self-exploration, self-discovery, of realizing Hey, there's something more than just this physical world, something beyond this place. This is the longing that every man has for God. It's a need we have. A spiritual need. We have this spiritual longing that is not satiated by anything except for proper relationship with God. And the secret society groups take this, this instinct within man, I guess instinct would be a, a good enough word to describe it, this longing that man has for things spiritual, and directs him down a path towards what they call enlightenment. But see, even their enlightenment is empty because it does not lead to right relationship with God. 
And that is the thing which, the only thing which will satiate this, this desire in man is having a right relationship with God. But it leads him down a different path. It convinces him that he himself is God and that he can attain this type of satiation through discovering his higher self. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with exploring ideas of self-improvement and maybe looking at philosophical concepts and understanding natural law precepts and natural energies that work invisibly in this world. I don't think there's anything wrong with exploring these ideas. But when you deify yourself as God the Creator, that's when it becomes problematic. Because, you see, we are not God, nor can we be God. It's a lie, it's a fallacy. And many of these teachings lead people down that wrong road, wherein they think either, first of all, that there is no God, or that they themselves can become God. And that's what many of these mystery schools teach, what many of these occult fraternities teach. And this in and of itself is also not fulfilling. It does not fulfill that spiritual need, that desire in man. It doesn't satiate that need any more than anything in the material world here does. If you seek out the wrong spiritual aspect, it does not satiate any better than seeking things materially here. So this is wherein they kind of lure you into their, their way of thinking with this. It sounds correct, and what he's saying is correct to a certain degree, but they're leading you in the wrong direction. They're not trying to lead you towards God or towards unification, reunification with God, a right relationship with God. They're trying to make you believe that you are God and that right relationship within yourself is what you need, this, this relationship. And it doesn't glorify God. And that is wherein the problem lies. It glorifies man. If something glorifies man and doesn't glorify God, it's not of God. We've been told in the Bible, weigh the spirits. You'll know a, a, a tree by its fruits. So these teachings, they glorify man, and not, just, not every man, but just certain men. See, certain men become the wise, the adepts. It's a special class of people, and it creates a type of classism. It, it creates this type of divergence between peoples. Class distinctions. They see themselves as having divine right to rule. They think they're better. They're more highly evolved. Do you see where this leads? They're better than you because they followed the teachings, these secret teachings. They have the secret wisdom, and they've put these things into practice, and they've done the, the studies and the meditations and the exercises, and they've learned the theories, the theoretical concepts. So they've become more enlightened and therefore more spiritually evolved than you. And you just are not smart enough to pick up on that. And they take vows of secrecy, blood oaths, to keep these things hidden from the profane. And that's wherein you could also know a tree by its fruits. They keep these things secret. 
This is supposed to be something that's good for all mankind, for every person. If this is good and righteous and true, why do you have to keep it secret? And they'll always use the excuse, don't cast your pearls before swine, or a man won't understand it if he's not ready. And yes, I get that to a certain degree, but why keep it hidden behind closed doors for millennia from the people at large? Lead them to believe something else. Lead them to believe exoteric interpretations of something that the adepts understand in an esoteric fashion. Why lead people astray in this way? I'll tell you why. It's about control and manipulation of others. It's not on the up and up. That's why. So just using that spirit of discernment, you can understand what they do. They lure people in, trying to appease their sensibilities towards things, this spiritual longing. And they tell them things that are contrary to what they previously thought may be true. And then they also reinforce the ideas that they used to think were true. Paradoxes. You see, to keep people thoroughly confused so that in order to further their progress, they have to follow what their teacher tells them because they don't know what to think anymore. They become confused, and in confusion is much profit. That's an old axiom that's known within some of these secret society groups. The more chaos, the more profit. The more confusion, the more profit. But anyway, let's get back to the reading here. So we see that though his fellow castaways may pass him by, proceeding on it into the lives of money and glamour, he himself stays behind to explore the gaping silence that is forever embedded in the here and now. And this is an important concept here, folks, before we continue. The silence. It's only when you get in your personal prayer closet with God is the biblical theology talks about it. You get alone in a quiet place with God. This is where you can do a lot of your thinking and a lot of your exploration of your soul and spirit. So let's see what they say within the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn about this. Let's continue. That dreaded silence. Most people of the Western mindset live in fear of it. They stay busy to escape its emptiness. Cut off from their own animal nature by processed food and air-conditioned offices, they occupy themselves with television and home improvement projects to keep at bay the uncharted darkness within. The very mention of the silent deep comes as a threat to the person who is not ready to explore it. To him, it is as death. If he could learn to suspend his senses but for a moment, it is as though the awful silence would well up and annihilate him. He settles instead for curling up around his acceptable beliefs and drifting off to sleep. But as we all eventually realize, happiness isn't bought so cheaply. He might as well try to sleep with a thorn in his side. On some level, 
He knows that he is deceiving himself, and he even knows that there is a price he must pay if he ever decides to rise and go after the real thing. It is the price that all liars fear. The more he distances himself from his true nature by chasing the distractions of the mundane path, the more he is prone to closing himself against the source of his own happiness, dismissing its mystery with nervous laughter as though it were an uncomfortable lull at a party. For there is a light hidden in the unexplored darkness, if only he knew how to reach for it. It is usually not until he gets very old or threatened by death that he begins to yearn for the other path at the crossroads. When at last he is ill and the hour is late, he regrets not having danced a little closer to the edge of the abyss, not having lived more adventurously. The silence inside you is the realm of magic. It is behind the doors of matter, within the gates of your mother's womb. It is the invisible land of your origin, your sensory impressions of the room in which you sit reading, the very landscape in which you take your daily walk, cover it up like a membrane on some vast cosmic drum. The true nature of the human condition is kept from you, hiding itself maddeningly behind its own reverberating sounds, sights, and textures. And the substance of that fluctuating membrane, the very medium of the deafening hum of the world, is the same as that of the sinew, skin, and bone of your body. Our throbbing biological processes are part of the vast web of life that encases a mystery. The activities of that web overshadow the invisible depths of the inner world, like algae on the surface of still waters. And beneath the visible, an infinite mind broods like an abyss. The typical human shrinks in fear of the precipice. But he needn't worry. He is, for the most part, safe from being consumed by the worlds within, for he usually cannot experience them unless properly trained as a magician. So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So this right here is where they ensnare you in their secret teachings because they're telling you you can't possibly understand them unless you're properly trained as a magician in our occult fraternity because you see we have this soul science we have this spirit science this spiritual science that we teach and it, it's this approach that we take works every time it's the same for every person works the same for each and every person every time this is the system we use it's like a mathematical formula these are more man-made reifications, folks. One size does not fit all with anything in life. But yet these secret society groups will tell you, yes, this is our initiatory process. It only works one way. You have to use the formula we give you. This is the only way. And it's only by becoming a properly trained magician through the secret society, through the Golden Dawn system, as it pertains to this reading. This is what they teach in all these secret society groups. They're the only ones who are smart enough and wise enough and have all the answers and can lead you towards this goal. 
can lead you to this sense of fulfillment. They could fill that spiritual void. And although they attempt to fill that spiritual void, mankind always seeks to, sp to fill the spiritual void. It's not fulfilled unless you have right relation with God. Now, you could fill it with something else, and many people do. But you know what? At the end of the day, they don't find fulfillment in that. And it's the same with this, with all these teachings from these secret society groups. But this is what they teach, and this is how they get you on the hook. They give you this, this hope that you can find fulfillment within their system, within their organization. But see, you have to follow these very specific rules and guidelines and directions from your teacher to the letter. Everyone has to follow them exactly the same. You see? It's an artificial or synthetic form of initiation. And we've discussed this on some previous episodes here as well. Synthetic initiation. It's not the real deal. It's not how it works in the natural world, folks. Everybody goes through an initiatory process of sorts through life. It's a natural part of life. It's inherent in nature, and it's different for each and every individual. But the secret society groups have taken a formulaic approach to it. And they've designed a one-size-fits-all system of initiation that they put these people through. And it's removed from the natural world. It's inverted from the natural world. And it's a synthetic form of initiation. It's a synthetic process that they put you through, further separating you from nature and from God. And that's the whole point. It's the inversion principle at work. Everything they do is inversion. It's a death cult that runs the world. It's the opposite of life. They promise you life, but lead you down the path of death. This is no different in the Golden Dawn system. They're making all these promises that you'll find fulfillment and happiness by seeking out these teachings, becoming a magician through our system. But I don't want to put words in their mouth. We'll continue reading. And if you listen carefully and learn to read between the lines a little bit, they will absolutely tell you who they are and what they're all about on their own. Don't have to mince words about it. So let's continue on. It is possible to regain the memory that was lost in that fateful shipwreck. You indeed have access to the silent place from which you came. The alternative path at the crossroads is always present. But access to it is only granted by the surrender of false credentials. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. The crossroads. This has a lot of alchemical connotations to it. But you see, they say the access is only granted by the surrender of false credentials. But do they realize that they have false credentials? Probably not. So do you see the hypocrisy at work here? They claim they're the only ones who really know the truth. And that everything else maybe that you've ever believed or been taught is false. They're not totally wrong. Most everything we've been taught in our lives is false, or is fallacy of some sort, or it's manipulated in some way. 
almost everything you've learned in school is completely wrong <laughs> with how the real world operates. I think we've all experienced that at some point. So, you know, not totally wrong there, but uh, also, why? what makes you think these guys have the answers? See, that's the thing. Do you understand, like, how it's circular reasoning here, circular logic that they use? Now, just a few paragraphs back, this guy was talking about how nobody knows what they're doing. They're all walking around clueless. They're lost. But now they claim, these guys are claiming, well, we have the answers, though. We're different. We know what we're doing. Nobody else does. Just us. So follow us. All these other ones, they, they don't know what they're doing. They'll pretend they know what they're doing, but they don't. But you could trust us. We, we really know what we're doing. So it's an exercise in faith, I suppose. You could either take them at their word and follow along with them and believe them. Or not. Like I said, they teach some good things. Don't get me wrong. You could learn some important aspects of the natural world. Of how the natural energies of this place work. And you could learn a lot of things from them. But there's always that little bit of poison. And it has to do with controlling others. And they will they'll stroke your own ego to make you believe them and follow them. And we see a lot of this. But let's go ahead. We'll continue on here. So he says, But access to it is only granted by the surrender of false credentials. In fact, the nearness of that surrender haunts your every step through life. Like a sand spur in the comfortable bed of conformity, it prods you to awaken... It is the throbbing of the mortal wound. It is the serpent in Eden, the nagging presence that keeps the ignorance of the garden from smothering you completely in the bustle of the human jungle. There is another life calling from beneath the brittle whitewash of compromise, and no matter how much you try to shift around and get comfortable, the thorn is always there, digging in, a wordless reminder that things are not as they seem. Is it too late to step up to the precipice to jump? This book encourages the adventure of discovery that awaits anyone who would dare to step out of the hive mind and take those first steps on the path of magic. It does not propose to help him in the way most other books would, by handing him a new paradigm at the expense of him finding his own. It does not encourage the adoption of a prefabricated life, or worse yet, another tiresome system of comforting beliefs. Humans are born to discover their own purpose, not to have a mockery of it handed to them. They are born to become magicians. A magician is a human being who has special techniques to uncover his true nature. He is someone on the path of self-discovery, becoming more empowered every day, more himself. There are several radical magical traditions, traditions that are feared by those who are still hiding from their true selves, that have remained concealed within the depths of our world's cultures. An awakened few maintain them in secrecy. These traditions of transformation are referred to as esoteric, which means reserved for the select few, because only a few among 10,000 will rise and take up the great work of recovering the lost knowledge of the higher self. 
none other than the source of the silent voice that speaks to each of us from within. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So, like I said, if you give them enough time, they'll tell you who they are and what they're about. I think you can understand what's being alluded to here. I think it's not necessary to really emphasize what they're talking about here. Of course, they say every human being is should be a magician, but there's very few that actually will seek this out. Only a few are worthy. Only a few will take up the great work, recovering the lost knowledge of the higher self. And you'll notice how he talks about, oh, well, this book is not about handing you some comforting beliefs of some sort or something like that. It's about self-discovery. It's about you doing your own work, as it were. You being the magician, finding truth for yourself. This kind of thing. So when you understand what they're saying here, they're saying that that silent voice that's speaking to all of us from within, that voice from whom people hide, this is the higher self. It doesn't have anything to do with God. Nothing to do with God, right? It's all about the higher self. The higher self is the God, so to say. This is the kind of thing they teach. So, you see, he alludes to the higher self. The higher self. This is who they suggest. That we get in touch with here, rather than God, that we have relation with. But let's continue on and see what else he has to say. If you look at history as though from a great height, you may see accounts of certain individuals who, from time to time, have fulfilled that quest. Sages, saviors, mystics, renaissance men, artists, and even scientists speak out as proponents of the silence. They move on a different road, hewn through the dark, invisible kingdom of the soul, these are the adepts of life who have refused to be swept along by the conventional chase. They are the keepers of magical power. The keepers of magical power. And walking among us, hidden in plain sight, they live by different principles, by a radical curiosity. They use techniques and experiments to prod the world of appearances to show forth its true nature. Invisible to the eye, soundless to the ear, and void to the touch. A landscape of evolution awaits each of us just behind the membrane of the five senses. For those who have learned the methodology of listening in on the silence, the purpose of life asserts itself forcefully from within. By the techniques of the magician's craft, a book of one's own instructions, 
is awaiting to be translated from silence into any words or deeds necessary to express it, to be the impetus to the creation of a new life founded on wonder, mystery, and limitless power. The magician's eyes glow with an irresistible purpose. Behind his every word is the unmistakable quality of the resonating silence. As the famous theologian Max Picard writes, quote, The world of silence without speech is the world before creation, the world of unfinished creation. In silence, truth is passive and slumbering, but in language it is wide awake. Silence is fulfilled only when speech comes forth from silence and gives it meaning and honor. Magic is the science and art of expressing silence within the medium of sound, of showing stillness in the midst of gesture, of drawing forth light from darkness, and of transforming a mortal into a god. Gonna pause for a moment right there, folks. Transforming a mortal into a god. Do you understand what bill of goods they're trying to sell you here? Do you get it? Do you get it yet? Do you see how they lead men astray in this way? This is how they do things. This is how they guide people down a wrong path. Get them to believe that they can be as gods. This is the original lie from the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. In the day that you eat thereof, of this fruit, you will be as gods. This is what the serpent promised Eve. And this is what they're selling you. When you understand that, I think you learn all you need to know about what they're teaching you. But let's continue on. Let your mind slip into a reverie. Ponder the setting you are in as you read this book. This silent voice broods behind the appearances of the physical world, behind the sensations in your fingertips as you turn the pages beneath your feet as they touch the floor, beyond the, that background noise of traffic or birdsong. To the magician, the presence is a singular divine entity, God, perhaps, and the world of nature is the skin of a divine self that speaks wordlessly from within all natural phenomena. Your sensations are alive beneath their every nuance, vibrating with occult power. The secret to which the magicians throughout history have been privy is that the divine being within has gone out on a limb on our behalf, handing us the reins to its power. In the Western occult tradition... This is the mystery of the Grail and of the Christ. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So once again, you see how they'll conflate the idea of Christ with this concept. Of course, the higher self, as it were. The Grail, the Holy Grail stories, same thing. All the same thing, all derived from these secret society groups, the secret teachings that they give. Let's continue on. The Lapis Exilis, the stone of wisdom, fell from heaven. It is the grail. It is up to us to lay claim to that stone of power, the philosopher's stone of the alchemists. 
the Christ force exists within the individual, not in some black book, marble building, or Sunday school lecture. There are methods by which he can call it forth. The lost instructions are his for the asking, but he must learn first how to transform his physical body into something more than human. I'm going to pause for a moment right here, folks. Pay attention to that sentence. He must first learn how to transform his physical body into something more than human, into a worthy vessel. This is where the notion of transhumanism comes from as well. Hugely important idea, as it were. Hugely important idea. So, with that being the case, we can understand something about the modern era, where its idea, ideas come from, where many of these notions come from. It's all from the occult schools. Let's continue on. He must sift through the dross and miasma of earthly life to find the lost stone. There is a secret process by which this transformation is accomplished, and the person who has succeeded in the task is known as a magician, adept, and wizard. He has become an agent of the silent voice, and he is a dangerous catalyst for the same kind of magical transformation in other people's lives wherever he goes. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. Remember in the beginning of this broadcast when I said that they were inferring that what they're teaching can be used to influence and affect other people as well. Well, here you go. Right there, admitted in plain black and white. Let's continue on and we're going to wrap it up. This is the work done on the road less traveled and it can be lonely and arduous. To uncover magical powers requires a strict discipline that separates the student from convention, that insulates him from the societal, tribal, and familial institutions that attempt to sell him substitutes for truth. The marketplace of ready-made lives is much too noisy for the beginner on the path of wisdom. The identities sold cheaply in that market are not bad things. We adopt them because they are the foundation of a great machine that supports survival of the masses. Likewise, the various institutions in our culture that teem with the unenlightened people are not bad. They are the support systems that our parents and teachers have used up until now to nurture us, to control us, subordinating us to the group mind. We only slough them off when they have served their purpose, and we are ready to grow beyond them. going to pause for a moment here, folks. Are you sensing the intention in that statement? Once we've outgrown them, we slough them off. There's nothing wrong with these people. They've served their purpose, the profane. They serve their purpose, but we've grown beyond them now. So now that they've, so they've served their purpose, we are ready to grow beyond them. We'll slough them off. Let's continue on. To see such systems in their true light, one must undo their hold. 
In order to make a difference in the lives of those who are enslaved, one must first be free oneself. And so begins the tedious process of untangling the soul. Does this sound dangerous? It is. By not participating in the machine, the individual becomes a fool and an outcast. Great pressures of conformity will mount up from all sides for anyone who begins to flounder about in the throes of awakening. It is a chaotic time, and it gets worse before it gets better. Not everyone who dares to begin the journey towards illumination will finish it. There are casualties. Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. Now, this is where it gets a little darker within these secret orders. They tell you outright here, not everyone who dares to begin the journey towards illumination will finish it. There are casualties. This is telling you that most will fail. It's setting an expectation in your mind as an adept or a student seeking to become an adept in their system that chances are you're going to fail, that you're just not quite good enough. This is a form of plausible deniability. You see, once again, it's another thing these secret societies all do. It's not that the, there's, you know, that the teachings don't work or the teachings are incorrect. It's just you just weren't quite good enough. You see, it's, it's never the teachings. They're not wrong. It's not the philosophy that's wrong. It's you. You're the problem. See, if, you, if you're not achieving these results that we told you you'd achieve from the teachings, it doesn't have to do with the teachings being wrong. It's just you're not good enough. <laughs> or you're not doing something right. You're not following the teachings to the letter like we told you. You're not doing what your teacher told you. See, this is how they operate. And it still lures people down the path. Let's continue, though. Just because the path is spiritual by no means makes it safe. If you would take this book as a manual, be warned. There are several secret traditions out there designed to help the student rise above the mire of survivalism. This book concerns Kabbalah and the Hermetic Disciplines, the overall approach of the Western esoteric tradition. It is the way of magic. So if you had any doubts there, folks, that's the end of the reading for tonight as to what the purpose of the magic is, what magic is. They give you a pretty clear definition in this book what the intention all behind it is. What they claim the magician is, of course, it's one of the members that follows through their secret teachings. And, of course, it's always secret, right? All this stuff, if it's good, it's secret, according to these people. Got to keep it hidden. You wouldn't want to cast your pearls before the swine, the profane. But do we understand some of the notions that are presented in this viewpoint, in this Golden Dawn system, as to who they think they are, what they think they're doing, and how it becomes dangerous for the rest of us who, once they consider themselves that they've outgrown us, they'll slough us off. They don't need us. They have no need of the profane. We've served our purpose. We were good in our time, but they've grown beyond us now. This is the connotation taught all throughout evolution as a process with these people. This is the underlying intention. 
behind it. And you wonder why there's been a massive depopulation campaign going on in the world. Been planned for a long time. It's being implemented right now. We see it happening around us in real time. And that's where we're at with this. And it all derives from these teachings. And this one was from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. But you see how all these traditions align in their teachings. All teach the same things, just slightly different terms for description for them. But you understand the underlying intention. The underlying teaching, they teach that man himself is God. And that it's only when he becomes illumined or illuminated, goes through this process, he receives this enlightenment, and then he grows, he evolves beyond those he's left behind, the profane of this world. And they've served their purpose, and they're no longer of use because we've outgrown them. So we'll just push them aside and seek out our own will. This is how much corruption has been wrought in this world. These teachings that take people with good intentions, who have real questions, real concerns, real curiosities, a real need, a spiritual void they need to fill, they lead them in the wrong direction. And this is what you end up with. And this is why society is in the shape that it's in today. Because at the very top of the power structure of this world are these dark occultists who run things, who are at the topmost levels of these secret society groups teaching this kind of stuff. And knowing full well that they're all death-based ideas, inversion-based ideas, that buck the system they fly in the face of the natural order of things as the creator set it in motion here it's all about inverting the process because they want to become the new gods of this place and they think that through the total inversion of this creation if they could create a wholly artificial knockoff of the real deal they can control it and be the gods thereof in this material realm and that's what they seek to do here. And this has everything to do with the more modern notion of transhumanism. It is their philosopher's stone, their great work, as identified or inferred, I should say, in this reading here. It's absolutely inferred. Doesn't mention transhumanism. You won't hear them mention transhumanism. But it certainly meets all the criteria of their great work, doesn't it? When you go down the lines of intention and look at the things they believe and what they want to accomplish. That's the end result. So the magic within the silence. Within the silence, this is where we can find right relationship with God. That's who and what we should be seeking in the silence, not trying to seek Unification with what they call the quote-unquote higher self within these occult fraternities. Leading you down this path of egoism. 
which they claim that you have to void the ego in order to be reunified with Source. And that's what the claim they claim they teach. And you see how it's paradoxical, because they teach this very egoistic way of thinking, the higher self, the will, using your will, acquiring your will, performing your will. But the will of the higher self. We live in the age of deception, folks, and these people are master deceivers, and most of them are deceived as well, because they truly believe that what they do is right, many of them. They think they're on the right path and that they really know when they are just as clueless as the rest of us. But they've been given these teachings by people whom they trust, and they follow down the path, and they lead others down this same path But they don't find fulfillment in that, folks. The only fulfillment you'll find spiritually is through right relationship with God. Seek that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what the Bible advises. These people will tell you the opposite. Seek the power, and then you'll have the fulfillment, and you'll be God. That's what they teach you. And it's a lie, born in the pit of hell. Now, I do think there were originally some good intentions and good things that could be learned from the alchemical sciences about the natural forces in play in this world. I absolutely do, but I think they've been twisted and contorted through time and inverted by these people who've kept these secrets hidden from the masses for purposes of having power over them. And we've arrived where we are today through time. They've been so twisted and contorted that they're the opposite of how nature works. It's the inversion process, the inversion principle being done here. The Antichrist spirit, if you will, taking manifestation, the Aramonic forces, leading man further to the hyper-materialist paradigm, thinking in strictly the physical terms here trapping us as it were trapping you in materialism only if you let it it's all done through a type of consent and if you don't consent and you seek the spiritual path and you seek God right relationship with God then and only then can you find true fulfillment contentment that's the only real contentment and fulfillment. The rest of it, well, it's just empty promises at the end of the day. Empty promises that you'll achieve these magical powers, you'll be God. Does it sound like a trustworthy goal? Use your discernment. I won't tell you what to think. That's not what I'm about. I'll just give you my opinion which I'm certainly doing, and I always reserve the right to be totally wrong about everything. Because I don't know everything. I'm just giving you my thoughts on the subject. But this was an interesting read tonight. I think the magic within the silence. Silence. We all need to have this place of silence at some point. To actually sit and think deeply. Don't be afraid of the silence. Seek it out. 
Because it's only this way that you can get in right relation with God and seek that spiritual fulfillment that we all need. The only true way to get there, in my estimation. So, I hope this was informative. I want to thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Have a good night. Come with me.
what we can make. 